Hello, listeners, and welcome back to the Shit You Don't Learn in School podcast. This is Calvin Rosser. And this is Steph Smith. So today we're going to pick up on a topic that Steph and I left on a recent episode about remote work, the challenges that people face, and some of the opportunities that come from that type of work, and debate the idea of will people go rushing back to the office once things settle? Steph, I just want to kick this off. What's interesting about you and I is that we've both worked remotely for most of our careers. We definitely enjoy that type of work. I think we think more people will work this way in the future and will be happier doing so because they can design their lives in the ways that they want to. But where we disagree a little bit is on the extent to which people will give up office life in favor of remote life. And so I'd love to just start with your perspective. The pandemic has created more opportunities for remote workers. More people are doing it now than ever and getting a chance to sample it out. But what's going to happen when the pandemic subsides from your perspective? Let's first preface that the types of jobs we're talking about are the ones that can be done easily remotely, right? There are certain jobs where that's not the case. We're not referring to those. I do think those jobs will decrease over time as in more jobs over time will be able to be done remotely. But let's just focus on the jobs that currently today can be done remotely and likely during the pandemic have been done remotely. Okay. So with that said, I think there is this pent up demand to return to the office. I myself, even though I've worked remotely for a while, I'm like, wow, I really need social interaction. I can't wait to get back to a co-working space. But I think that demand will subside pretty quickly once things get back to normal, because as we've talked about before, what we're doing right now is not normal remote work. You don't have interjections. You can't go to the gym. You can't hang out with your friends in the same ways as you could before. And I think once people get back to the office and things do open up, once they do get back to their lives, quote unquote, the appeal of going to the office five times a week, I think will just lose out to the flexibility that they're going to want. So I don't think it's going to be a black or white office or not. But I really do think you're going to start seeing people, instead of going to the office five times a week, probably go more like once or twice a week. Doesn't this also require companies, though, to just allow extreme flexibility on that standpoint? And I think that causes its own problems as well, where I think companies will have to take a stance. Are we remote or are we not remote? If we have a hybrid model, what are the obligations for when you come into the office? Because if you could just come in anytime that you wanted, you wouldn't get those same say like creativity brainstorms that are better when you're in person, if people are just coming in haphazardly, it seems like there has to be some sort of structure there and that will influence people's behavior as well. But I also think that there's a large group of people who don't thrive in remote working environments for one reason or another, their personalities, what they need from work, what they expect from work and remote work as cool as it is for me and other people doesn't deliver on the promise of a better life for some people. Sure. So let's break those apart. The first thing as it relates to companies is yes, companies will have to evolve and that will happen over several years where they figure out the right amount of office space for them and their company and the people who want to go into the office. And then they will also have to come up with policies. And just like everything else that a company has to deal with, each company will come up with their own policy. I think even at HubSpot, I work there currently, they're going to have at least two different types of employees in the sense that You can have office employees, you can have fully remote employees. I'm not sure if they'll have a flex option, but even the remote employees, it's true. We don't get to go to the office whenever we want. I think there's an expectation of you don't go to the office more than a couple times a quarter. So yes, that's something that each company is going to have to develop. But I do think that the natural demand for people who want to work remotely, but be in the office part of the time is just going to be part of the equation that these companies have to come up with. On the other side, I also agree that certain people naturally thrive remotely more than others. So we mentioned in one of the previous episodes 
episodes, this idea of if you're naturally ambitious and naturally self-driven to create things and set up your own schedule and undefine your own work life, I think you do thrive more than people who perhaps don't seek that out. But I think we're not giving those other people enough credit. In fact, if you've ever heard of the four tendencies, it's not scientific at all. This is like a personality framework. Yes. So it's basically a two by two matrix and it identifies how you respond to inner and outer accountability. So one is an upholder and they respond well to both. A questioner, which I actually fall into is they tend to respond more to inner accountability or inner expectations and not so well to outer expectations. The other side of that is the obliger, which responds well to outer accountability or expectations and not so well to inner. And then there's the rebel who doesn't respond well to either. But the reason I'm mentioning this is because I did a survey a while ago of remote workers on Twitter. It was just a couple hundred votes, I think. But most of the remote workers fell into either the rebel bucket or the questioner bucket, which is, again, this idea where both of them did not thrive on outer expectations. I have a friend who's an obliger, which as a reminder, is someone who thrives with outer expectations and really struggles to set their own agenda, their own accountability. And she really did struggle at first when she worked remotely. She was like, stuff, I miss having a boss who's necessarily seeing over my shoulder, but like guiding me who I can check in with every day, who's setting my goals with me. And she's like, I don't have this anymore. I'm just out there throughout the day doing stuff on my own. And I miss that accountability. I think many people probably fit into that bucket and perhaps people that fit into that bucket skew towards one to go back to the office. But I saw this friend over time develop that sense of accountability on her own. And over time, her love for the flexibility that she had gotten outweighed the need for that accountability. And she found ways to balance that. So to me, what that means is a larger percentage of people, because they've been exposed to remote work and maybe even learned how to do it better, will want to continue working remotely. And maybe it changes as their lifestyle changes. But at the same time, I just think that office culture as much as I don't want to be a part of it, probably for the rest of my life, is such an important part of people's lives. Like we in the West define ourselves by our careers. We often developed really cool and fun relationships with our coworkers. Like I remember when I was in investment banking, we were there till 2am, but we had a blast just talking about how delirious we were and just growing out. In that case, it was a pretty male dominated culture about just life and how shitty it was to be at the bank and stuff. But anyways, even if you look at like popular TV, just say The Office, for example, very popular show, it's a caricature of office life. But those people, they come together in this office. They all have different weird personalities, but ultimately they probably derive some satisfaction from being a part of this madness that is Dunder Mifflin. I think a lot of people really thrive in that type of environment and will want to just continue doing that. Whereas remote work can be more isolating. I think we'll build better infrastructure for it, but it can never really replace that in-person interaction. And I also think it's just going to be really challenging for companies to execute well on the hybrid model. I've always thought, especially pre-pandemic, that the only way you can make remote work is if you do fully remote and you develop all your processes and infrastructure as a remote company, because otherwise when people are meeting in the office, they actually get more information than the people who are working remotely and develop closer bonds. And that causes information asymmetries. It also causes promotion asymmetries because people in the office may have an advantage and people will just naturally gravitate back towards that and fall into old routines. So to touch on that point, I agree that having hybrid offices doesn't work where you do have these asymmetries. But what I think you're going to start to see, especially since we were all pushed into remote at once, that these companies really have, to some degree at least, built up a remote first infrastructure. And I don't think that'll disappear. None of it's perfect. And I think some companies probably have some 
pretty rocky foundation since they were just shoved into it throughout the pandemic. But I do think hybrid cultures can work so long as it's remote first in nature, which means that everything happens on Zoom, even if some of the people happen to be in the office together. And of course, there's going to be asymmetries where some of those people in the office develop stronger bonds. But I also think that this idea of forming relationships with your coworkers is so important. But don't you think there's like an 80-20 here where I think a lot of people are going to want to go to the office sometime, but don't you think you can get enough of that social interaction from going in, let's say, every Friday instead of going in five times a week? I personally think you can, but I think for some people, they really just need that on a daily basis. And even as you mentioned, your friend, having the boss look over your shoulder or being an environment that you associate with work instead of your home, which has many different associations and that they'll be happy to go to the office, go leave work life there and then go home and spend time with their families and not bring the work back to the home. I think that's just one of the pitfalls of remote work is it's extremely hard to separate your personal life from your work life and they blend together in tough ways. And I don't know if there really is a solution for that. And unless we develop co-working spaces that bring in employees from all different types of companies, and that serves as a quasi social place where you leave work. But at the end of the day, I think that remote work isn't for a lot of people. And I've always believed that even though it's for me. But don't those co-working spaces already exist? They exist. But the problem with the co-working spaces currently people from different companies, they may say, hey, at the water cooler, develop some relationships, but because they're not working together, they're not forging those bonds that come from work. Like how do bonds form at work? You're working on a tough project together. And so you're in it together. You spend time with your colleagues. So you end up developing a better relationship, or you just go through the gutter together and we're bonded through that. But when you're not having those interactions, I feel like you can only go so deep with someone who just so happens to be in the same space as you. I think over time, I've come to the conclusion that the social aspect of remote work is by far the one thing that has not quite been solved. With everything, there's trade-offs in remote work. I think that's the most significant, most clear trade-off. But I think my point of view is that trade-off is worth it for many other aspects of remote work. And I think other people over time will start to recognize that if they haven't already. So they may be yearning for that social interaction. But I think at the end of the day, even as you wake up in the morning and you're thinking, do I want to go to the office or not? For some people, they're thinking, do I want to sit on the bus for an hour? Or do I just want to hang out at home? And maybe they will sit on the bus for an hour once a week so that they can have that social interaction. But to engage with that decision every single day, I personally think a lot more people are going to opt to stay at home. What just came to mind as you were talking is I wonder if there'll be a strong bifurcation between people who are parents and not parents. I'm not a parent myself, but I've seen that people with young kids who are working remotely who can't afford, say, like a nanny who can take the kids, which is expensive and out of reach for most people, they end up really struggling to balance work life because the kids come in and interrupt or they have to take care of them and they can't actually get that separation that they might have been able to get at the office. And that's just one thing where I wonder what I would think if I was at that stage and struggling that way, especially if you're in a position where you really need to focus and you're working with people who don't have kids and are willing to put in 70 hours a week. I think something to also keep in mind is now that we've been remote for over a year and many people have been working online, companies have also started to hire remotely, which means that if HubSpot, for example, hired someone in Toronto, well, they don't have a Toronto office. So that person in Toronto doesn't even have this decision of, do I want to go back to the office or not? They're just staying remote. And I think more companies are just starting to hire remotely in the sense that they're not basing their hiring decisions on how close is this to HQ. And I think that by nature is just going to further develop this remote infrastructure. Definitely. Now that I'm thinking about this more, I actually think that what people do is just going to be heavily influenced by what companies decide to do because people respond to incentives. So 
just imagine we've talked about this before, but should remote companies pay people based on location? And it may be that for some people, they really love the flexibility of remote work. They're willing to take lower salaries, et cetera. But for those people working in New York or San Francisco, they may have a preference for the office because potentially they get paid more. The company somehow incentivizes them to come to the office. And that just ultimately will drive their behavior because it's not just a function of does remote allow you to design the life that you want? It's also what do you get from your companies based on how you decide to work? If it just so happens that companies incentivize people to work in the office, I think that's just going to drive them to do that, even if there are some downsides. Yes. I want to share a study. So it is from FlexJobs, which is a remote work job board. So it does have incentive to probably be a little biased here, but they did a survey of workers who engaged in remote work throughout the pandemic. And they found that 65% of those workers want to stay remote workers. 33% prefer a hybrid model and only 2% want to return to the office. But what I found really interesting about this study is that of that same subset of workers, which let me just see, they surveyed 2,100 people. So not a huge sample size, but still pretty interesting. They found that 58% of people would consider looking for a new job if they were no longer able to work remotely. To layer on more data, the reasons that people preferred to work remotely, 84% said it was because they had no commute. 75% also said it was due to cost savings. So I wonder if that's related to the commute. But the reasons that people did not like remote work, 35% of people said it was the inability to unplug. 28% said distractions at home. And 28%, interestingly enough, said tech problems. Interesting. So a lot of those things are solvable, except the distractions at home. And then that inability to unplug, which is a problem that I've still never been able to solve. I wonder if companies will end up having smaller offices in more places and not having such a big infrastructure in each office, but maybe that really wouldn't work. Why not? I think that's what we're actually going to see is that, especially for companies that have large groups of employees in other places, like I've even found this that HubSpot doesn't have an official office in San Diego, but I've been meeting with my coworkers. We've been starting to co-work and HubSpot doesn't happen to have a co-working budget if you happen to be a remote worker. But I can see lots of companies starting to add that to their list of benefits where if you aren't near an office or HQ, then you get a certain amount of money to work in an office. And maybe people could pull that together and basically just get WeWork space, for example. Yeah. At the very least, I think that if companies do decide to go more remote for their employees, that they should do more things to facilitate in-person interactions with employees. As I've mentioned before, I think your relationship with someone really transforms when you meet them, even if it's just over a beer for an hour or a dinner. And so companies will probably have to do things like offsites or just find ways to get people together who live in similar areas and be willing to pay for that. That's likely cheaper than a company keeping an office as well and may get you, if we go back to Pareto, it may be the 20% effort that leads to 80% rewards. So have I convinced you? You haven't convinced me. I, I <laughs> Yeah. Unfortunately, in this one, I feel pretty strongly that fewer people than we think will go back to the office and have this aha that they really preferred remote work. Maybe more people will prefer the hybrid model. But I really think there are things about office life that you and I have grown accustomed to not having that fill the bucket for lots of people. And that may even fill the bucket partially for us, but we've just chosen to have more lifestyle flexibility because we found a way to make that work with our personalities and work goals. So you said more people than we think. Let's put a number to it. So do you think that most people will return to the office or what is your projection there? I think something like at least 60% of people will want to return full-time to the office once the opportunity is available. Because 60%? 60%. 
And that may even be low. I think another thing that may cloud the data if people are being surveyed right now is people are struggling to interact with friends and family because there's been a lot of fear pumped into everybody's mind due to COVID. And there's been all of these changes in our society. And I think once the disease subsides a bit more and we've moved on fully from that, people will really want to interact with others in a more intimate way, such as the office. I disagree, but we should put some money on this. If you really, I will definitely take the under well, it's, 60%. It's hard to measure though. It's I going know, to be hard I to know. measure. What I do think is cool though, and what we can agree on is more companies will offer remote opportunities. And I know I certainly felt this. I found a, a cool company where I was working remotely and getting paid well and had flexibility. But when I was thinking about options at that point, when I was in that job, there just weren't that many companies doing the fully remote thing. And it did feel like you had a limited number of options. Now, I think there's going to be an abundance of options for people who are talented to go work at all kinds of cool companies that otherwise were fully in person. And opening those doors is going to be just a really cool unlock for getting more talent to certain companies. Yeah, it really is a push and pull of talent and companies and what they want to do. As you said, I think companies will actually lead the way here in the sense that if a bunch of people individually decide, hey, I want to work remote, that can't really push the needle because they require employment. They require the company to allow that. And I think prior to the pandemic, you saw many companies who were like, no, I need you to fly somewhere. I need you to be in the office. I need these things because I don't think the company can run otherwise. I think the pandemic showed that maybe parts of those things were true, but really a lot of the aspects that people were resistant to and thought this could never work remotely were proved wrong. So I do think companies are going to be way more open to this moving forward. And while some companies may not be, some companies I think will be even more bullish on it. I've seen all these stats about how companies are saving so much money in business class travel, in office space. And this actually may be a way for companies to not only be more productive, but also more profitable. Yeah. On the business travel front, I think that's one example of something that may never bounce back to the levels that it once was. And this is probably a permanent change there, especially as you get things like VR glasses that allow you to be in the same boardroom with people. I just think of uh, heavy client services companies like investment banks and consulting firms. There was previously this thing where you would literally fly from New York to London and fly back to New York on the same day just to have one two-hour meeting. I think more people will be comfortable doing those remotely. And because the ice has been broken, no one's going to want to go back to really upheavaling their lives and getting on those planes. I do think some of that business travel will come back. Although it's hard to imagine that it would ever go back to what it was before. I don't think it'll ever go back to quite where it was before. It's one of those funny things where everything continued to happen as it did because everyone else just expected that to be the way the world worked. So whoever was the enterprise salesperson was like, well, I have to fly to London because my boss says I need to. And the boss was like, we have to fly this person to London because the client expects to see us in person. And the client's like, of course they have to come to London because that's always how we've done business. I think the pandemic showed that you can actually do business without all of those steps. And it was one of those moments where I think a lot of people just realized, wow, we actually don't have to do it this way. I don't know if they would have ever gotten to that point. They probably would have eventually, but it would have taken so much longer for them to get to that realization because when there's existing systems, it's really hard to replace them because there's just that friction of doing what people have always done. Yeah. 
One tricky thing, though, is there's going to be a lot of people who spent their whole lives working in the office and who are in positions of power. And until those people leave the workforce, it's unlikely that they're not going to want to return to some sort of office environment. And as long as they are in power positions, they may still require things like that. Another just interesting idea that I don't know if you've thought about is at investment banks, one of the ways in which they got so much out of employees, like as a junior banker, you were actually working 100, 120 hours was because you were required to be in your desk longer than the people above you. And when you take away that infrastructure, there's no way that people in their early 20s are going to be working 120 hours a week on their laptops. I just don't think you can enforce that type of thing. So either the work is going to be reduced, which may not be that likely because it's a client services business. And the reason it's so much work is because you have to be so meticulous and do all these iterations and that part's not going away. But if you're not able to get people to work the same hours that they were before in the remote environment, then those companies are just going to hire a different subset of people and require them to come to the office. Sure. There's definitely going to be companies that require you to come to the office, but it's all supply and demand, right? If they actually require that, then maybe they'll be able to still track people, but they will be fighting against a force of, I think, at least some part of the population that is desiring that flexibility. And maybe they have to pay more, or maybe they lose a bunch of great talent to some of the tech companies that are more flexible. I think it's going to be interesting to see how these things develop, right? Because it's not just one company somewhere deciding something. It's part of this larger ecosystem of how different companies, different individuals now see flexibility, have had the chance to basically taste test it and see what they desire and what their company or them as an individual needs. I think there are going to be inevitable shifts. I don't know exactly how many companies will stay remote, but just as we were having this conversation, it was interesting because you said the 60% number and I was like, I wonder what it was pre-pandemic because we've been remote for so long. In my head, I'm like, oh, surely it was like 10%. And when I was thinking about it, I was like, no, <laughs> probably was like 0.01%. Like 99.99% of companies were not fully remote prior to the pandemic. Yeah, I'm curious to see how all of this shakes out. I think what the pandemic made me realize was how fringe what you and I were doing was. It felt like a lot larger than it was while doing it. And I just thought the world would move towards remote, though I think the pandemic accelerated it by potentially decades. And now just you have vast swaths of people who have been introduced to an idea. And we'll see how it plays out over time as to how they take in that data and idea and integrate that into their work lives. It absolutely accelerated it by at least a decade. But the reason I brought up those numbers is because I was thinking, wow, if really point, let's say, oh, one percent of companies were fully remote, even a thousand X of that would be what? 10%, which would mean 90% of companies would still not be fully remote. So those are arbitrary numbers, but just the scale of, yes, how much this accelerated, yet how small it still was prior to the pandemic is really interesting. Awesome. It sounds like we're going to agree to disagree and just watch how the data unfolds over time. I don't think we'll know the answers to these things for another five years. We'll see some preliminary stuff, but it's going to take a while for work life to change. It's been the way it's been for quite a long time. That doesn't mean it can't change, but I do think there's going to be an interesting rush back to work almost certainly. And it's going to be even more interesting, in my opinion, to see how that shakes out maybe six to 12 months after that. Shall we end it there? Yes, this was the Shit You Don't Learn in School podcast. I'm Steph Smith. You can find me at StephSmithIO. And I'm Calvin Rosser. You can find me at Calvin underscore Rosser on Twitter. All right, Calvin. All right, Steph. Until next time.